But we've been talking about purity for several weeks now, and I was hoping to be on a Christmas message by tonight, and it just didn't happen. Just felt like we should keep going with this topic, and uh, next week we'll get to the Christmas message. But, you know, I I think tonight we're just going to close things together in a way that hopefully will give you guys some real hope and some ability to be able to move forward in your lives, to be able to really see some victory. Because here's my guess that for many of you, you've heard this series and you've heard us talk about how God will honor us as we honor him with our sexuality. You've heard how far is too far. You've heard why it's such a big deal. You've heard how extremely we have to deal with our sexual sin. You've heard last week about the job of our eyes, our mind, and our heart, and all these different things. And I hope you got some practical tools throughout this. I hope that you've seen that this matters, that this counts, that you don't want a single, single guys in the room, you don't want to turn into John Mayer one day who, who can't have a relationship with a woman like we talked about last week, who has his own admission and would rather sit at home with his computer, right? Ladies in the room, you don't want to, uh, as studies are showing, more and more turn into the object so that men can just have you, you know, desensitize yourself and just let yourself go that way. Married couples in the room, we don't want our marriages to spiral apart because we're unfaithful even in our hearts. And so there's so much at stake. There's so much to talk about, and we have talked about. But tonight, what I want to address is the thought that, okay, Doug, we've been talking about this. This is our fifth week now, and I still feel like I just can't do this. I still feel like sexual sin just has such a hold on me, be it porn, be it what me and my, you know, you, you might say your boyfriend and girlfriend, you, what you guys do together, uh, spouses in the room, you might say, you know what, just our thought life or, you know, the, the way that we do or don't cherish each other in our hearts. We, we haven't strengthened our affections. We've, we've got affections for other people. In fact, we're trying to, you know, get those down first so we can actually start having affections again for one for another. I mean, just all these different struggles, all the different issues that we can go through. And many of us are probably just saying, I just don't think I can actually follow through with this. Doug, I hear what you're saying. It sounds good. It's nice if it works for some people, but I don't, just don't know that it's going to work for me. You know, some of you guys might be going, after last week's message, I was trying to bounce my eyes, man. I, I got to about 8.05 a.m. Monday morning, and then I gave up, you know? It's just so difficult because of the world we live in and the accessibility of it and just all this barrage right in our face. And so tonight, what I really want to say to you guys, and you might not believe me up front, but I hope to convince you as we go through this message here tonight, what I want to say to you is that you're not stuck where you are. You are not stuck in porn. You are not stuck doing that with your boyfriend and girlfriend. You're not stuck as a married man or woman, unable to get those feelings for that other person out, stop these fantasizations in your mind. You're not stuck there. You might feel addicted. You might feel trapped. I'll tell you something. You're not stuck. Uh, The first night we were ever a collision, I told this story about taking my my son, at the time, he was only about two years old, to McDonald's and letting him play kind of in those tubes. That's before we realized that if you do that, kids get typhoid in those things, okay? Uh, so we've stopped that. But uh, we bought him the Happy Meal, and he went in there, and he, he get the little toy, you know? And so he brought his little toy into the tube with him, and then he dropped it. And it didn't just fall in the tube. It went down and somehow escaped and went all the way down underneath the base of all the playground equipment there. And so a smart dad would have gone back up to the counter and at the very least asked if I could just purchase a toy, and if not, give the three ninety-five to get a new Happy Meal and a new toy. But no, I had to be cheap and hero. And so I went over, and I started to crawl in through the equipment and underneath it, and I got myself into this one little spot under the equipment, and I reached in, and it's just like in the movies when it's just out of the reach, and you like 
you, you grab it and then it, you drop it and then you grab it and it goes further away. So you got to squeeze in further. And finally I got it and I pulled it out and I was like, yes, I'm stuck. And I, I was sitting there trapped in this playground equipment. And my wife's standing out there and I said, honey, I'm stuck. And she could like hear the panic in my voice and she laughed. <laughs> so then what I, I started to think about though is the fact that she's out there and honestly, if I was out there, I probably would have laughed too. Because when you're out there and you know everything's all right, I mean, my wife's sitting there, all right, they may have to call the cops or the fire department and cut them out with, you know, Sawzall or something like that, but he's going to be all right. But when you're stuck, I don't know if you've ever been stuck somewhere. I haven't been stuck in a long time, probably since I was a little kid. You know, I'm like 30-year-old man stuck in playground equipment, okay? And so I'm stuck down there and, and I just, I'm honestly starting to freak out. And that's not normally like me. I start freaking out. I'm like, honey, I'm seriously stuck. And all that's running through my mind are the zombie movies I wish I never saw, like when the guy gets stuck in the cave and the zombie eats his legs from behind, you know? And I'm just like, I can't believe I'm stuck, right? But, but, but here's what I want you to understand. I got out because here I am, okay? Uh, but what I want you to understand is that in that moment, I felt completely stuck, completely trapped, and I honestly didn't know how I was going to get out of there. And you know what? That's exactly how many of you feel. You are stuck, you are trapped, you don't know how you're going to get out of this addiction of porn or sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend or thought life or maybe it's not even porn or sleeping around. Maybe it's just simply how long you look at somebody walking by, you just drink that image in, you just, you know, you, you think about that a little longer than you should. And you're thinking, all right, maybe it's not porn, but, but man, it's really hard to stop doing. Okay, well, I can tell you, just like my wife was standing outside of that situation and she could see He's going to be all right. He's going to get out. He's not stuck. This isn't the end for him. I can say that for you tonight. You're not stuck. It might feel like it. It might be your current experience. I can tell you that there is a way out. And tonight we're going to talk about that way out. And this is a huge deal because you have to understand something about this. As long as you believe that you are stuck, you will stay stuck. As long as you believe there's no way out, you will stay stuck trapped by sexual sin. I mean, basically believing that you're a slave to this is just as powerful as actually if you were a slave to this. And so tonight, what I hope to convince you of is the truth that you are not stuck and you are not a slave because there's freedom on the other side of this. We just have to start to understand. And I'm I'm telling you, this isn't like motivational speaker talk. This is, I've seen it change my life talk and I've seen it change others' lives and there are people of all different ages in this room, and there are people of all different ages that I know of, teenager, uh, young single, um, married with kids. I've seen victory in all these different areas of people's lives. And so as we talk about this, and as we close out this series, I hope you'll walk out here going, okay, I know how to walk forward, and I know that I can walk forward. I know that I can move past this. And so I hope if you're not a Christian, you're also take this little journey with us tonight because you might be thinking, oh, see, here we are. We're in church talking about how sex is bad. First of all, I'm not talking about how sex is bad. Sex is a great thing. It's an awesome gift from God. So we're not anti-sex. What we are anti is being a slave to sex. And I believe you're anti that too. I believe you want to enjoy it the way God intended it. I believe that you want to enjoy it and be blessed by it. And the the, the thing that you don't want, I, I think, and the thing I certainly don't want is to be owned by anything be it sex or anything else, be it porn or anything else, be it my thought life or anything else. And so if you're not a Christian here tonight, I want to tell you the only way I know to, to move forward, the only way I know to get out of these, these traps that you may be in. So let's wrap up 
this series with some incredible t- truth tonight about you and I. If you're in a relationship with Jesus, and if you're not in a relationship with Jesus, you can be as you walk out of here tonight. So we're going to read a book, uh, the whole book of Romans. Now we're going to read a few verses from the book of Romans. Uh, This guy Paul encountered Jesus, his whole life was turned around, and he's writing a church in Rome, thus Romans. Okay, Romans 6, verse 11. says, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You know what so many of us do? We count ourselves dead to God and alive to sin right? We're alive to sin, man. It's just like, it's there. We're going to take the opportunity and just go for it. You know, it's, it's like God's saying, all right, look, I want you to count yourself, or, or in other words, reckon yourself. That kind of sounds like Midwest uh, Southern talk there. I reckon. Um, you know, basically think of yourself. That's probably the best way to say it here in 2012 in the Northeast. Um, think of yourself as dead to sin, but alive to God. doesn't mean we can't sin. We can sin. But what Paul's trying to say is, look, you don't even want to go there. Don't, don't even think of yourself as alive to sin. Think of yourself as dead to it. Think, think of yourself as not ever wanting to end up there, but alive to God. You see, um, we often think sin is like our old drinking buddy. You know, like, like it's always there for us. We always go back to it. It's just, it's just the two of us together, me and my sin. And you know, I heard Andy Stanley say something great, and I hope tonight there will be a lot of aha moments throughout this whole message for you tonight. Because what I heard him say a long time ago, which was awesome, was that we think that it's us and sin versus God. You know, here we are, me and my porn, me and my thought life, me and my sexual addiction, me and this. And then there's God over there. And God's kind of this entity over there. And he, he's telling me, stop doing that, stop doing that. He's trying to ruin my fun or whatever. And here I am, me and my buddy sin. And we're just warring against God, duking it out with God. He said, the truth is, it's the opposite. If you're in a relationship with Jesus, it's you and God versus sin. It's you and God duking it out with sin. It's you and God taking the gloves off and going after sin and making sure it gets knocked out and it gets knocked down. So you're not warring with God if you're in a relationship with him. It's actually you and him versus sin. And so I hope tonight you start to realize, like, okay, maybe I'm not stuck. Maybe it doesn't own me. Maybe I'm not a slave to this. He goes on. He says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Why can he say that? He can say that because sin doesn't reign in your body. That's the lie so many of us believe, that it does. That there's nothing we can do. That we're stuck, that we're trapped, that there's no way out. And Paul's saying, look, don't let sin reign in your mortal body because it doesn't have to. It's not there to confine you anymore. There was maybe a day where you were stuck in it. There was a time in your life there was nothing you could do because you didn't have a Savior who had empowered you to live a different way. But now you have that. A while back, my son Cade, who was two there in the little McDonald's thing, is now 80 pounds of him. And he fell asleep in the back of our car a few weeks ago. And I was like, oh man, I, you know minivan, I know, very cool. Um, but I don't really feel like going back there and picking him up and straining my back, bending over in my, my car trying to get him out. So I just, I said, hey, Cade, wake up and unbuckle. And he's kind of like, yeah, you know, just like, I was like, Cade, wake up and unbuckle. And so he kind of opened his eyes and he unbuckled the seatbelt and he just like fell right back asleep. I was like, Cade, unbuckle and come here. And this is what he did. And I'm not making this up. He sat there in his seat and he just got really annoyed. He got really agitated. And he's like, dad, I can't because my seatbelt's on. And he kept going like this. And he's moving like this. 
and the seatbelt was off. He had taken the seatbelt off, and he keeps going like this. And I finally, like very, very strongly, I said, Cade, look at me. I said, your seatbelt is off. Now get up and walk to me. And he just got right up, and he took his steps toward me. I'll tell you what. If I could say something to you tonight, it's this. I think many of us are sitting there going, man, this porn addiction, I'm stuck in it. My sexual addiction, my thought life, my mind, oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm stuck, man. I can't get up. And I think God very strongly is trying to say to you tonight, you're not stuck. That seatbelt is not buckled. I unbuckled it. When I, when I gave my son the thing that restrained you and held you back, that sin in your life that kept you there has been dealt with, and now you can walk forward. And I believe God's looking at you in the face tonight, and he's calling you strongly by your name. And he's saying, you're not stuck. Get up. Walk toward me. Because our sin doesn't reign us. It's not who we are. You are not porn. You are not sex. You are not a pervert. You are child of God who is believing the seatbelt's still buckled. Believing you're stuck when actually you truly have freedom. And so the next part in verse 13, I hope this is a big aha moment again, says, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. You know why I hope this is a big deal for you? Because let's just say this table represents sin. Okay? What, what you and I often think is that when it comes to sin, we are basically like almost like one with the table. I'll just try to get myself as one with this as I possibly can be right now, okay? We are like, I mean, it's got a hold of us, got a hold of me down here, and I'm dropping stuff. And it's, you're holding it, and it's holding you, and it's this entity that, you know, you ever see the alien movies? It's like in you. It's like, you know what I mean? It's just like a part of who you are. And you just, like if you were to try to move, this thing's coming with you, you know? And you know what? In reality, I think I really am stuck. Oh, there we go. Okay. In reality, what I hope you're seeing tonight as we read this verse Paul's saying, look, don't offer yourself to sin. Wait a minute, but I thought sin already had me. No, no, no. It, it doesn't. There was a time before you were a follower of Jesus, yeah, it had you, and, and there was, you kept banging your head against the wall, and, and it just felt like, I just can't break free, I can't break free, I'm just so stuck. And, and in reality, Paul's trying to say, look, this entity called sin, it's, it's this external thing. Like, yes, we have a flesh, and we struggle, and but, but we are not sin. Do you understand that? And so it's this separate entity. And what Paul's trying to tell us is don't offer yourselves to this. So in other words, it's not that I'm here and God's telling me don't look at porn. And I just, I, I'm sorry, God. I'm just, it's me. I, I, that's who I am. No, see, we're here and porn is there. And in order for me to look at porn, I have to offer myself to it. I have to offer my eyes to it. I have to go, okay, uh, Sin, would you take my eyes for a minute and and look at that. I have to offer my hands to sin. Just go ahead. Just do, do what you will with them. I say, that should be a big aha moment for you because that's not who you are. It's not what you have to do. You and sin aren't old drinking buddies. You and sin aren't connected. You aren't tied up. It's not you and you're not it. It's not you and it versus God. It's you and God versus it. And so you can stand here. And yes, you can choose because we're not perfect yet but you can choose to offer your eyes to sin. Or you can do something else. The next part of the verse says, but rather offer yourselves to God. So you have the ability in, in the same moment to say, okay, 
Porn, I offer my eyes to you. Or to say, God, I offer my eyes to you. Hands, I offer my, my, eye, my, my, yeah, my hands, I offer my eyes. My hands, I, I offer you sin. Or, no, hands, I, I offer you to God. Mind, heart, rest of my body, I offer you to God. We have this opportunity now to really and truly please God with the parts of our body because sin doesn't reign in our mortal bodies. Sin doesn't own us. There is no seatbelt restraining us and keeping us. So thought life, heart, your eyes, your hands, they don't have to do those things they once did. And then he says this, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And that's so powerful, isn't it? Because what he's saying here is, he's like, look, all right, I want you to offer yourself to God as somebody who was dead and now is alive. As somebody who eternally should be punished and dead, but now will have life eternally. And I want you to see what it says. It doesn't say, so that you'll be brought from death to life. It says, as somebody who has been brought from death to life. So if you're here tonight thinking, oh, all this purity stuff, okay, I get it. So what you do is, is you try to not look at porn so God will like you. Or you try to not do this or that with your boyfriend or girlfriend, or you, you, you try to not do this with somebody else's spouse, or think about somebody else's spouse that way, so that God will like you, and you'll earn something from them. No, see, that's the exact backwards thinking that we're talking about here tonight. What we're saying is, because we have a relationship with Jesus, we want to live purely, because we love him because he's brought us from death to life, because he's set us free, because he's given us satisfaction and hope. And so he's saying, look, do this because you've been brought to life. And just think about that for a second. If you're doubting that you have the ability by God's strength to live the right way, just think about that for a second. You know, I'm sure there's some of us in here tonight who would say that they're they're followers of Jesus who who struggle with faith and doubt their eternity sometimes. I'd spent some years of my life there. And just kind of like not at all what the message is about, but I just want to encourage you that sometimes that happens and you can fight through it by God's grace and continue to grow. And that's the whole evidence series and all that. So hang in there if that's you. But I want to tell you this, most of us here in the room that have a relationship with Jesus, we don't sit around really questioning our eternity, right? Like, man, thank God, I'm going to be with Jesus one day. It's going to be all worth it. Everything that I've been through, I, I can see how God used it. Like, wait, praise God, I'm forgiven. Like, like I don't really doubt that that much. But we do doubt the fact that you and I can walk forward now and walk in the power of somebody who's been brought from death to life. You see, it's not like you're brought from death to life only when you go to eternity. Now, you, you've already, in many ways, been brought from death to life. Isn't that true? And so here you are, in the flesh, here and now, with the Spirit of God inside you, enabling you to live the way He wants you to. Then He says, And offer every part of yourself to Him, as an instrument of righteousness. Now, I think that's a cool way to think about it because I think so often we think about it the other way. See, he's saying, look, you have an opportunity to offer every part of your body to God as an instrument of righteousness. You know, we don't talk like that. You know what we say? I don't want to do something bad. I don't want to do something bad. So I won't sleep with her. I won't sleep with him. I won't look at her. I won't look at that. Because I don't want to do something bad. What God's trying to get across here is, look, Don't make it about not doing something bad. Make it about doing something righteous that pleases God, that honors God. So instead of, I'm not going to sleep with him because I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to sleep with him because, no. I want to do something righteous. I want to do something pure. I want to do something that will honor and bless my Savior who brought me from death to life. And then he says, 
For sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under the law, but you are under grace. And there's our word, grace. Somebody got me a big coin. How cool is that? You're under grace. And if you haven't been here around, you're like, why are you holding a large coin, Doug? Uh, We've been talking about grace through this whole series. We've been talking about the fact that grace has two sides to it. It's on one side, the grace that forgives us. And so if you are in here tonight and you're like, oh, I can't believe we're, I wish you were doing a Christmas message, though. I can't handle another week on purity. Every week I hear about it, I feel more guilty, I feel more bad. But that's what forgiveness is all about. You don't have to feel guilty and bad. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. God's dealing with some hearts maybe in here that need to come to him and ask forgiveness and ask for strength to change. But God's not beating you up because grace has this side of the coin, forgiveness. But then the other side of the coin is empowerment. See, I think when we read a verse like this, sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under the law but under grace, we often think, yeah, that's right, man. I need that grace, man. I need all that forgiveness. Yes, we do need forgiveness. And yes, we will stumble sometimes. But we forget that grace also means empowerment. It's the same coin, just a different side to it. And what I'm trying to tell you tonight is that you are empowered to not be stuck. You're empowered to not be a slave anymore because there is no seatbelt holding you back anymore. So what I want you guys to know tonight, and then I'm just going to kind of try and close out the series a little bit, is that Jesus has set us free from having to say yes to sin. If you came in here tonight believing, Doug, I have to say yes to porn. I've tried. I can't help it. I have to say yes. My eyes, I tried the bouncing thing. I thought it was kind of dumb. I didn't really like saying it out loud last week. I got a little annoyed at you, Doug. I had to work out some forgiveness issues in my heart this past week, but it doesn't work. Right? I I, I just, I can't. No, you can. Because Jesus has set you and I free from having to say yes to sin. There was a time we were slaves to sin. We were literally stuck in sin. There was a seatbelt on us. There was uh, a complete, you know, and and, and, uh, absolute stuckness in the playground equipment. You could not have gotten out. But he has set you free from being there. Stories told about uh, Harry Houdini, who was like this epic magician, escape artist guy, that he would go around from town to town. It's kind of a strange thing to do, but he, he would be put in the prisons in the towns and then he would break his way out of the prison and so he would go around america wherever and do this and and so one day he went into one of these jails and the guy closed the door behind him and houdini got right to it man he pulled out his little trinket whatever he used there and he started working on the lock and and he, he knew the sound he was waiting for you know like like click i got it sweet i picked the lock i'm good to go He's doing it, and he's doing it, he's doing it, and he's trying all he can, and there he's in this prison cell. He's starting to get nervous. Usually he's out by now, right? He's starting to get nervous, and there he is, and he's still stuck, and he's starting to sweat. He's starting to get upset. He's starting to get angry, and the prison guard comes back, and, 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 and Houdini looks this guy in the face and says, look, I, I don't tell you, but I can't get this lock to click. I can't get it unlocked. With that, the guard comes over and realizes that he never locked it. And so Houdini had been sitting there the whole time waiting for this sound, waiting for this noise, trying to figure out why he couldn't find that spot to pop that lock. Meanwhile, while the door was closed, it wasn't locked, and Houdini could have left at any time. And you know what? That's exactly you and I. You see, you and I think we're in a prison of porn. We think we're in a prison of addiction. We think we're in a prison of a thought life. And you know what? Here's what I want to tell you. You may be in a prison tonight. But the door's not locked. 
You see, it's your choice if you're in that prison. I'm not saying it's not hard getting out. I'm not saying it's not a road and it's something you've got to walk to and, and allow God to begin to grow in you more and more. And It's not going to be a process. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if you're in a prison of sexual struggle, the door is open. And you don't have to stay there. You can, by the grace of God, move forward and begin to live a new way. Now, some of you guys might be thinking of this whole series and you're just thinking, Doug, but I just think about growth and change and, and even we've been talking about this for five weeks now since the beginning of this series. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, I haven't really seen this huge change. I haven't seen all this amazing change that I was hoping to see by now or whatever. Or you think back even a year or two, I just feel like I keep getting back to the same place. Well, Tim Keller said something great that I want to share with you guys. He said, he was asked about this. He was asked not about sexual stuff, but just about sin in general and growing and, and becoming more and more uh, victorious in your life as a Christian. And he said, you know, we all think that growth in a relationship with Jesus, if, you, if, it, if it was on a graph, would look like this. We all think that's what growth is. It's just whew, straight up, man. You're just off the charts eventually, eventually, you know. We all think that's what the Christian life is supposed to look like. And he said this. He said, if it were really graphed, it would look like this. Start here, and you have a good day, and then you maybe you dip a little bit, and then you have another good one, and you, you struggle a little bit more, and you have another good one. And okay, you struggle a little bit. But, but what he said that I thought was so powerful was, and if you noticed on my elaborate little wave here, was that it, it, it kept getting higher. Even the low points were getting higher. Do you see what I'm saying? And that Tim Keller said that if, if you start here, and this is you at week one of the Pure series, and then you had a little victory, Week two and week three, and then you struggled again. Week, week four, and then you came up, and, and here we are week five, and wow, this is going to be a great week, and then you may struggle a bit. But look, this, this dip, this, this down spiral here is higher than your, your downward spiral here. And so, yeah, man, it's not this, you know, huge off the charts thing we all want to see, but it's growth. And you know what? Some of you here in the room, you're, you're straight up addicted to the point where you couldn't do a thing about it, and you just need Jesus' grace and uh, you've heard testimonies in the last several months about how God's done that in other areas of people's lives, be it alcoholism or whatever. And that might happen for some of you guys. I mean, we all need to just bring our purity issues to God and say, God, just rescue me. But for whatever reason, sometimes God doesn't give us that straight shot out of our addiction and our struggle. He, he wants the nearness with us. He wants the communication with us. He wants us to work with him in this kind of struggle of growth. And so over time, you will see more and more that, man, you are changing. I know that's what I've seen in my life. That it's not like, you know, when I was in college, I was like, okay, that's it. I'm never going to sexually sin again. And the next week I was, you know, I've just seen over the last 12, 13 years of my life that God has brought me like that. Just through it and more and more victory. And that's what he will do in your life. And so what I want to do, guys, just to close this out, because I think so often as we hear stuff like this, we begin to doubt, we begin to struggle, we begin to question what was said, we begin to feel like uh, maybe that was a little extreme or whatever. I wanted to just read what they had written at the end of this book, Every Man's Battle, and I'll apply it to the ladies in the room too, because this certainly applies to you too. But they basically had the same thought that, you know what, you read this book, and now you're going to go live life, and what's going to happen is Satan, who hates you and hates God and hates your relationship with God, is going to start to try to get you to doubt everything you just read. He's going to start to get you to question everything you just heard. 
And I thought there were some great questions here and great answers. So basically they did was they gave Satan's lie and they gave the truth. And this is what they said. Satan says, you're the only one dealing with this problem. If anyone ever finds out, you'll be the laughing stock of the church. And the truth is, guys, that most people deal with this problem so no one will laugh. You know, that's, what, that, that's the hugest lie, especially when it comes to sexual sin, that it's just us. That's just us who think like that. It's just me who feels that way, who has that temptation, who has that urge. But no, man. The Bible says, we read it a few weeks ago, that all these temptations are common to all of us. And so no, you, you wouldn't be laughed out of the church. Even if you're not a Christian, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're, you're welcome here. Satan says, you failed again. You'll never be able to train your eyes. It's impossible. Maybe that's how some of you guys feel only after a week of trying to bounce your eyes. The truth, and this is an awesome point, it isn't impossible. Job trained his eyes, didn't he? He was a man just like you. Right? Job, who we talked about last week, says, I'm going to make a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. And so he did it by the strength and grace of God. Satan says, you're being so legalistic. The law is dead and only brings death. Satan's whispering in your eyes, Doug, I was, you know, he's talking about, he's all married and old and who, you know, I mean, you guys are young and, and, and this doesn't apply to you and come on. The truth, God still has standards of behavior for us and we're responsible to live purely by his standards and his grace. Satan says, this habit changing plan will never work. The truth, the plan will work because for most people, the problem of sexual impurity is nothing more than bad choices evolving into bad habits. And just like those bad choices evolve into bad habits, like we said last week, good choices will evolve into good habits. Lastly, Satan says, why fight this costly battle when the costs of your impurity are so minimal? The truth, you can't always see them, but the costs of your sin are greater than you think. And so, I think what we gotta do is be a people who didn't just hear five weeks of message, but that we be a people who just really now try, by the grace of God, to live this out, to walk out of the cell, to step up because there's no seatbelt on us, to climb out of the playground equipment because we're not actually stuck. I know it feels like it. I know it's been our present experience. I know it's been the last however many years of your life, 10, 15. But you know what? You aren't sin. Sin isn't you. You are not an entity together. It's actually the other way around. You and God are one. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He's brought you from death to life. And now you can offer the parts of your body to Him to live righteously. And so what I want you to do is I want you to practice doing that this week. When you have the opportunity to offer yourself to sin or to God, I just want you to stop And I want you to remember that this is a choice. You can offer your body either way. That you have the opportunity to to do something righteous, not just not do something bad. And so you have this amazing opportunity to be able to walk closely, closely with God. And I just pray that over this series, you've been challenged. I know it's been uncomfortable. Hey man, I've been uncomfortable saying half the stuff, so I got it worse than you. But I hope that you will walk out now just wanting to be closer to God. And if Satan is whispering that other lie in your ear that you're just too dirty a sinner, you're too far gone, you've done too much, if you just can't wait till this series is over and you just want me to shut up now because you just have all those regrets mounting, 
I just want you to remember the fact that you have been cleansed. That God has removed your sin. I've been working for the last two and a half weeks, ripping out my bathroom, uh, re-sheet rocking, putting tile down, grout, painting, uh, spackle. My hallways, like just, I have stuff all over my hands all the time. It's actually pretty clean for me. Um, but uh, last week, I was doing all that, and then on top of it, we mounted a, a light outside, and we had to use this adhesive, and my fingers were literally, I look like shoehorn man, like my fingers were literally all stuck together, and I came in, and I just, I felt like so violated. My, I just was like, I can't move my fingers, and I was thinking about going and typing, and the keys would have come off on my fingers, you know, and, and so I found, I remembered we had this stuff called, I think it's called Gojo, in the closet over there, and I just went, and I just like took the whole thing of it, and I just like bathed myself, and I came out, and I was like, ah, you know, I was just like a new human, you know, and you know what, I just want you to know, like, when you walk out of here tonight, you've been gojoed, God has, God has washed you, God has cleansed you, God has removed all that stuff, all that stain, all that grit, all that garbage, all those memories, that God has removed them, and you don't have to walk out of here feeling like a failure, and you can then offer your bodies, because Jesus, set us free from having to say yes to our sin. Let's pray together. God, we just come before you as people who are humbled by talking about all this stuff. And we just thank you, God, that we're not owned by our sin. And I thank you, God, even there may be those that are here tonight and sexual sin isn't their big deal in their life. It's, It's something else. I just thank you that there's no sin that owns us, that we're not stuck. And that, God, by your grace, we can offer our bodies to you righteously. We can avoid all the consequences. God, we can walk intimately with you. We can be rewarded one day in a marriage that is deep and rich and blessed and intimate. And so, God, we just bring to you our sexual sin. And we pray that this series will count. We pray it will matter. We pray, God, that our lives will look different now. Even if it's a slow, up and down little chart on that graph, we just pray for your help. So if you're a Christian, would you begin right now to offer the parts of your body to the God who saved you as those who have been brought from death to life? Counting yourself as dead to sin and alive to Him. So would you offer Him your eyes? Would you offer him your hands and your thoughts and your heart and your whole body? And get specific with, if it's a porn issue or if it's a sex issue, just offer him your body and say, God, I just, I want to live righteously. I pray for the strength to be able to walk through the battle ahead and that God, by your grace, I'd find victory over this someday. But I pray I'll see the growth. And if you're not a Christian, you've heard tonight that there's a Savior who loves you. There's one who wants to bring you from death to life. He wants to bring you from stuck to unstuck, to slave to free. And so, if you want a relationship with him where your sin is forgiven and then you are empowered to change, then I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. So would you pray something like this quietly in your heart? Jesus, please come into my life. I thank you that you love me right now. I thank, that, thank you that you're not waiting for me to be like this new me. 
and then you'll love me. But I thank you that right now in the midst of all that I've done and all that I am, you love me. And you want to forgive me and empower me to live a different life. So I thank you for that. I thank you for this gift of salvation, which is only through you, through your death, your resurrection. And I pray you'll show me more and more how real you are and how much you want to do in my life.